Good morning. This morning, we are going to continue to look at God's epic story. We are going to continue to look at his epic story, the gospel, and the role that you and I play in God's epic. Remember last week we said that if we're believers in Jesus Christ, if we put our faith and trust in him, we are part of God's great story. And we have a role in that story. We are part of what he is doing in and throughout the world. And we said that the first aspect of our role in the story is to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God. We are to die to ourselves in order to live. And if we die to ourselves, we will truly live. If we die to ourselves, we will experience joy and happiness, peace, contentment, and fruitfulness. But we first must offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And we said to die to ourselves means to put ourselves in the offering plate. When the plate went around this morning, did you guys think about the fact of putting yourself in this offering plate? So when we die to ourselves, we're to put ourselves in the offering plate. And we do this because of the mercy that God has shown us. We recognize that we're sinners and that apart from God, we're lost. But because of God's mercy, he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us to rescue us from our sins so that if we place our faith and trust in Jesus, we can have relationship with God. We can be right with God and we can experience full life. And when we do that, we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. We die to self. We place all of ourselves in the offering plate. But there's a problem. Last week, after this service, after the second service, a friend of mine came up to me, a man I respect greatly, a godly man, and he comes up to me and he says, Tom, I like the illustration. I get the idea, and I I put myself in the offering plate. But so many times, I find myself stepping out of the offering plate. I find myself outside of the offering plate that I want to be in. Now, I don't know if you resonate with that idea, but when he said it to me, I thought to myself, you know what? That happens to me too. I want so badly to offer my body as a living sacrifice. I want so badly to die to self. I want so badly to be all in the plate. But so many times... I find myself outside of the plate. So, what do we do? How is it that we remain in the plate? How is it that we stay all in? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to continue our study in Romans 12, and this morning we're going to look at Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2, is found on page 803 in the Bible that the church provides. And we're going to look at Romans 12, verse 2 this morning. And here Paul tells us how to stay in the offering plate. 
Remember, we are to present, we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. We're to die to self. We're to be in the offering plate so that we can truly live, so we can experience life. And Paul says, I'm going to tell you how you can stay in the plate. And not only that, telling us how we stay in the plate is also the second aspect of our role in the story. Now, it's important to note as we look at verse 2, to keep in mind that verses 1 and 2 are very closely linked to each other. They're tied together. This morning, let's look at verse 2. Here's what it says. Paul says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So in view of God's mercy... In view of what God's done for us, we put ourselves in the offering plate. We offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And then the second thing happens when we're in the plate. And it's found in verse 2. We are to be transformed. We are to be made more and more like Jesus Christ. And that is the focus of verse 2. Our transformation. But first there's something Paul tells us we must do. And he tells it in the negative. He tells us that there's something we must not do. Look at the first sentence of verse 2. The text says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. The command that Paul gives here is in the present tense. It means it's something that we must keep on doing. Paul says, Make sure that you keep on making sure that you do not conform to the pattern of this world. In this first sentence of the verse, there are two key words. The first key word in this sentence is the word world. And in the Greek, it literally means this age, this present age that we live in, this time that we live in, this time that we exist. The second word is do not conform. It's a compound here. And having at its root the word, the English word scheme, so the verse means, do not let the age in which you live force you into its scheme of thinking and behaving. The Living Bible says, don't copy the behavior or customs of this world. While I was studying this week, the paraphrase that I kept coming across was, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't let this world squeeze you into its own mold. Now you may be thinking to yourself, I get it. I know what Tom's talking about. I know what Paul's talking about here. I shouldn't drink alcohol. I shouldn't dance. I shouldn't smoke. I probably, maybe I shouldn't go to movies. And if I'm really spiritual, I'm going to sell my TV and I'll never drink Coke or coffee again. (laughs) Is that what Paul's saying here? You may think that that's what it means to not conform to the pattern of this world. And a lot of Christians think that way. If I just don't do those things, if I have this list of forbidden activities, then I'm not conforming to the pattern of this world. But those things are neither good nor bad in and of themselves. You see, there are a lot of people that have stopped doing all those things yet they're still conforming to the pattern of this world. You see, because the pattern of this world is always the same. 
The mold of this world from generation to generation has always been the same. And I think it will always be the same. The pattern of this world, the basis for the pattern of this world is self. The worldview that this world patterns itself after is self. What is in it for me? Selfishness is at the center of the pattern of this world. I look at the world and I see a world that says it's about me. And I need to get what I need to get and I need to get it now. The desires of God and the needs of others, the world doesn't even consider, let alone placing those needs and desires above our own. Think about it this weird way. Self is the center of most people's world view. Most people look at the world through the lens of self. What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? I'm not going to do anything unless it benefits me. Putting myself first is the pattern of this world. And unfortunately, the pattern of this world has infiltrated the church. There's many of us that look at this world through the lens of self. For many of us, our worldview has self as its center. We say things like, I come to church to, to have my needs met. And there is an aspect of coming to church to have our needs met, but that's not the reason we come to church. That's not the primary reason we come to church. The primary reason that we come to church is to recognize who God is. We come to church to recognize who He is and to declare our loyalty and our admiration and ultimately our worship to Him. That's why we come to this place. And then secondarily, we come to this place in order to seek and serve and see the needs of others so that we in community can reach out to them and can work in and helping and through them. We come here for our needs. But that should be way down at the bottom of the list. We hear things like, I'm here to have my needs met. Or have you ever heard, yeah, you know what, I'm not going to that church anymore. I don't, I, I don't like what they do there. They're, they're not meeting my needs. That's not the attitude we should have. That's the world's attitude of a self-lens and looking through everything, through how does it benefit me. And Paul says, that's the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world is a focus, is a worldview that centers around me. And Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And you see, Paul here is much more concerned with how we think compared to how we behave. Did you hear what I said? Paul is much more concerned with how we think rather than our behavior. Now, right behavior will follow right thinking, but here Paul is saying, you need to think right. You cannot have the worldview of self that the world has. Your worldview has to be different. You must have the worldview of a Christian. You must have the worldview of a Christ follower. You must have the mind of Christ. 
So when you look at the world, you see the world through the eyes or through the lens of Christ. That is the worldview that we as Christians are to have. And make no mistake about it. As Christians, we are to be thinking people. We are to be people who think, who process, who know, who study. Why? So that we will be able to differentiate between a world that is focused on self and a world that is focused on Jesus Christ. We need to see the world through Christ's eyes. Augustine the 4th, 5th century theologian and philosopher wrote it this way in his book, The City of God. Listen, listen to what he said. Two cities have been formed by two loves, the earthly by the love of self, even to the contempt of God, the heavenly by the love of God, even to the contempt of self. The former, in a word, glories in itself, the latter in the Lord. Two cities, two worldviews, one with self as its center, the other with God as its center. Paul says, don't think like the world. Don't view the world through the lens of self. View the world through the lens of Jesus Christ, because if you view the world through the lens of self, the result is ruin. The result is disappointment. The result is disaster. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But notice what Paul does not say. Paul does not say withdraw from this world. He does not say isolate yourself from this world. He does not say run from this world. Paul himself actively engaged the world in order to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are to do the same. We're not to run. Don't withdraw, but be careful. Be careful as you engage the world because the world can sneak up on you. A number of years ago, my father-in-law, who's a great guy, lives outside the Chicagoland area. A number of years ago, he was at work in the middle of the day and he decided to cut out early to go to a movie. Now, I know that's not good. I know we shouldn't do that, but he decides to cut out early to go to a movie. Not that the movie's bad. I'm talking about cutting out of work. So he decides to go to a movie in the middle of the day. So he leaves the office. He gets to the movie theater. He's driving there. It's a bright, sunny day. It's this beautiful day. He gets to the movie theater, buys his ticket, goes through the check person. She takes his ticket. He walks into the movie theater, and he walks in, gets in the theater, and it's really dark. So he looks around the theater, and he can't really see, and so he figures, well, I better go sit down. So he walks down the aisle, and he, and he sits down in the chair in the, in, in, in the theater. And as he sits down, he sits, next, he sits next to a guy, and the guy starts to kind of squirm a little bit. Well, after my father-in-law was there for a couple minutes, his eyes started to adjust to the dark, and he realized that there were only two people in the whole movie theater. (laughs) My father-in-law and this other guy that he sat right next to. (laughs) The only two in the movie theater. You see, his eyes eventually adjusted to the dark. You see, we're not to withdraw from the world. We're not to run from the world. But you have to be cognizant of the fact. You have to know that the world is a dangerous place and that if, if, you're, if you're in it, if you're of it, 
The danger is, is that you adjust, you conform, and eventually you, you see in the world. And Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now, I know there's pressure. I know that there's pressure out there. And I know because each one of us is pressured by that outside world to conform. Think about it, the enormity of conformity. Each one of us face this pressure. And you think peer pressure ends after you graduate from high school. It's as if it just begins. But Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Well, if we're not to conform to the pattern of this world, what is it that we're to do? We're to be transformed. Look at verse 2 again. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, the opposite of being conformed to the pattern of this world is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, the battleground for the Christian worldview is in your mind. The battleground of whether you conform to the pattern of this world or whether you're transformed is within your mind. And our life as believers is not just a matter of nonconformity. The goal of our life is not nonconformity. The goal of our life, Paul says here, is transformation. Transforming to become more and more like Jesus Christ. To have more and more of the mind of Christ. The, the phrase here, be transformed, is a present verb. Which means it's not just a one-time event. It's an ongoing progression of transformation. It's an ongoing progression of change that doesn't just occur once. It continues to occur. It's not only present tense. It's passive be transformed. If I say to you, I'm going to the store, that's active. If I say somebody is taking me to the store, that's passive. And when Paul is saying be transformed, he's saying it's something that occurs over time, but he's also saying that it's something that you do not do in and of yourself. There's someone else that does it for you. It's passive. The actor is God. It's God who is transforming you to the image of Jesus Christ. It's God in his power who is making you more and more like Jesus, who is giving you more and more and more of the mind of Christ. God is doing this work in you. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says in this regard. Oh, it's Corinthians, sorry. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Look at what Paul says to confirm this. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being what? Transformed. Are being what? Transformed. Are being transformed into his likeness. Whose likeness? Jesus Christ's likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are being transformed in ever-increasing glory into the likeness of Jesus Christ, more and more having the mind of Christ. And who's doing the work? 
The Holy Spirit is working in our lives. It's His power that is transforming us. This word that's translated to us, transform, is also related to the English word metamorphosis. It's the idea of a lowly caterpillar becoming a beautiful butterfly. And what Paul is saying is is that God's power through the Holy Spirit is working in you, it's changing you, it's metamorphosizing you, it's turning you from a lowly caterpillar into a beautiful butterfly. And God himself is doing that work in you. God himself is making you more and more like Jesus Christ. And this is the goal. The goal is our transformation, becoming more like Christ. So if the goal is our transforming and God does the changing, what's our responsibility? Well, we've seen that our responsibility is to not conform to the pattern of this world. We, we heard this negative command from Paul, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Paul also provides us with a positive responsibility. He provides us with a positive duty that we're to do. Look at verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. God the Holy Spirit is transforming us into the likeness of Christ. It's the goal that God accomplishes. He makes us more like Jesus. His power and his work in our transformation is primary. But we have a part. We have a responsibility. First, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Second, renew your mind. So in a very real way, we are partnering with God in our transformation in our change into Christ-likeness. You see, for in order to God to transform us, we must participate. We must renew our minds. Now, interestingly, both the negative instruction of do not conform and the positive construction of renew your mind are intimately linked together. Because you don't stop from conforming if you're not renewing your mind. And if you stop conforming, you can renew your mind. And if you renew your mind, you can keep from conforming. So they intimately work together in our transformation. God uses this aspect of renewing our minds. And the mind that we're looking to have is the mind of Christ. God wants each one of us to have the mind of Christ. So that when we look at the world, we see the world through the eyes of Christ. Now, if there's three things that I have for us in how we renew our minds, I think there's probably many more, but there's three concepts or three ways that we can renew our minds. The first is this. We must think like Christians about all things. We must think like Jesus about all things. We must have the mind of Christ in regard to all things. Now notice, I did not say we must only think about Christian things. What I'm saying is, is everything we face, everything that comes our way, everything that we do, we must think about it the way that Christ thinks about it. In all aspects of our life, we should think as Christ thinks. Not just thinking about Christian things. In everything we do, we have to think like Christ. 
And this can be hard because there can be situations that are religious in nature where we don't think like Jesus Christ. There can be times when we're involved in the sacred when we don't think like Jesus Christ. Think about communion, for example. Communion is probably one of the most sacred, one of the most holy things we do as a community of followers of Jesus Christ. We meet him at the Lord's table. But we could come to communion and not be thinking like Christ. For example, there could be a deacon who comes to communion and is thinking about, well, I wonder how much all those elements are going to cost for the year and how they're going to fit into next year's budget. That would be thinking secularly about a sacred thing. Or there could be somebody in the congregation who's watching the minister or the pastor handle the elements and could be saying, well, he's not doing that right. And critically kind of addressing how the pastor is handling the elements. That would be thinking secularly or worldly about a sacred thing. Or there could be somebody who's sitting in the communion service who's looking around at the building or the stained glass and saying, boy, that's a beautiful stained glass window. Boy, these people seem to be really involved in all this. You see, all three of those examples are thinking secularly or from a worldly perspective about a sacred thing. And Christ says, no, we need to think with the mind of Christ about everything. And that even means in the mundane as well. We could be pumping our gas, filling up our tank and thinking to ourselves, I wonder how this car influences or impacts me. Does it cause me to not think about God as much because I don't seem to need him because I have this car? Or how does this car affect me in the way that I live my life? Does it cause me to race from place to place to place, from appointment to appointment to appointment, and not think about any of the people that I come in contact with? Or how does this car affect the environment that God has given to us to steward over? You see, in that situation... While pumping the gas, a relatively mundane and secular and even worldly thing, we can be thinking sacredly. We can be thinking with the mind of Christ. And so in order to renew our minds, we have to train ourselves. We have to conscientiously focus on the idea that whenever and whatever I come into contact with, I need to think like Christ. While at school, while at work, in sporting endeavors, no matter what it is I'm doing, I must think like Christ. The first step to renewing our minds. Think about everything the way Christ would think. You've heard of the bracelet, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus think? Because right behavior follows right thinking. Think like Jesus thinks. Number two, and it's probably the most obvious, you, me, all of us need to be in the Word of God. We need to be studying and memorizing Scripture. You need to know what the Word of God says. Look at what Hebrews 4.12 says. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. What does it say the text? What does it say the Word of God is? What? Living and active. That means that this is not just a regular book. The Bible is not just a regular book. What the writer of Hebrews is saying is that this book, the Bible, is alive. That when you read it, something miraculous happens. 
that it's just not a normal book. It's just not a good story. It's just not filled with good wisdom and things to do. That God himself comes in and through you to the book, from the book. It is living and active. So when you're having trouble loving someone who's unloved, unlovable, someone who you really don't like, someone you know that the Bible says, I need to love that person, but you just don't know how to do it, what do you do? You go to the Bible, and you go to 1 Corinthians 13, and you read what God says love looks like, and you read what God says about how to love, and here's what happens. Not only does the Bible then teach you what it says, what God says about love, because the Bible is living and active, when you go there to read it, to study it, to memorize it, the Bible causes you to love. Why? Because it's living and active, and God is working in and through it. To renew our minds, we must think like Jesus. Think Christian about everything. Two, we must be in the Word, study it, memorize it. And three, you need to be in church. We, all of us, need to be in church. We need to gather together to worship because something miraculous happens here. A DVD is not enough. Watching on the internet is not enough. Listening on CD or MP3 is not enough. You need to be here. Now, I am not trying to be legalistic. We all miss for various reasons at various times. But I'm telling you, when you come here, this is the place where your mind is renewed. This is where things happen. God is here in a special way. When we all gather to come to this place to worship him, to sing, to open his word, he shows up and he shows up to transform our minds. Amen. This is a miracle. I don't know about you, but if I, if I miss a service, I work at church. And if I miss a service, I feel like my tank is empty for the week. Why is that? Because when you come here and you hear the rafters shaking and we open the word of God, something happens. What is it? It's God. He's here. He shows up. Bruce Hughesby, our missions pastor, I see him sitting over there. He, bring, he goes to Ming Ten all the time. And he's at Ming Ten and he invites one of the waitresses from Ming Ten to come here to church. Now, she's raised, born in a foreign country, raised in a foreign country, comes here to America to, to work. Bruce befriends her. He and his wife, Debbie, befriend her, bring them to church. This woman has a Buddhist background. She comes here. She speaks very little English. Halfway through the service, Bruce and Debbie look at her. She's crying. Why? She doesn't know English or very little Why? Because God is here. And when he's here and you're here, he stands here to renew your mind. We are to renew our minds. That's how we participate with God in our transformation. Think about everything in a Christian way. Be in the word and make sure you are here at church. Are we tracking together? Amen. We tracking? If you want to be in the offering plate... If you want to present yourself as a living sacrifice, recognize that while you're in this plate, you're here, God is transforming you. He is turning you, making you more and more in the image of Christ. 
and our responsibility. Do not conform to the pattern of this world and renew your mind. Paul has one more thing he tells us. Still in verse 2. Paul says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then Paul says, Why? He answers the question, Why all of this? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. When you are transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, when God makes you more and more like Jesus, when God gives you more and more of the mind of Jesus Christ, when you partner with him by not conforming, when you partner with him by renewing your mind, he makes you more and more like Jesus. And the result is that you know God's will. Now look, it's not the goal, remember? The goal is transformation. But the result here is, is that when you become more like Jesus, the more like Jesus you become, the more you will know God's will. And if there is something that you need to get excited about, this is it. Because you will be able to discern, you will be able to know, you will be able to know what God wants you to do the more and more and more you become like Jesus. The more you have the mind of Christ, the more you will know what God wants you to do. The more you will be able to discern in a world that needs discernment. And now in this context, Paul is saying that when you're transformed, when you become more and more like Jesus, you're going to know his will. You're going to know what he wants from you. And you know what that will is? It's to offer your body as a living sacrifice. And it is good, pleasing, and perfect. Why? Because when we do this, when we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, God begins to transform us and make us more and more like Jesus. And we get to partner with God by not conforming to the world, by renewing our minds, we, along with him, become more and more like Jesus Christ. Amen. And what results? Life. True life. Joy, happiness, peace, contentment, purpose, fruitfulness. Why? Because you've died to self. And you offered yourself as a living sacrifice. Good, pleasing, and perfect. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. And Lord, I thank you that you have given us your word so that we can know you. And so that we can know not only who you are, but what you want from us. So Lord, I pray that each one of us would offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, as a spiritual act of worship. And it's our prayer, Lord, that you would transform us. And Lord, give us the courage and strength to not conform to this world and to renew our minds. 
Lord, we ask that you would make us more and more like Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.